0: I'm Chad Rutherman, and I'm Andy Kinnick, and welcome to No Clip Pocket. To be this good takes ages. Today, we're going to be talking about Dujana, a game that was developed by J. King Spooner, published by him, self-published, kind of, mm-hmm. uh, and released in 2017. Uh, and here's the part where I tell you what genre the game is. And now let's go to the opening statement. (laughs) Uh, cause, ooh boy, can I not explain that to you?
1: It's one of those games that you can only really call an adventure game. Right.
0: Yeah, kind of adventure-y, kind of Mm exploration-y, kind of a Mode 7 racing game. Uh, it's an experience. (laughs) Uh... Uh jokes about being pretentious aside, uh, let me take a moment to seriously be pretentious. Uh, because I, I want to draw a comparison uh, between this and Kentucky Route Zero. And not in any of the ways that there may be like some tangential comparison, but to a really specific element of both games, which is that these are two games that both feature within them art, like visual art, like paintings and sculptures and shit, uh, as like set pieces, things that are there for you to inspect and read about. And I think they accomplish a similar thing in both games in that it invites you to view the game, in more the way that you would interpret that type of art, like the kind of thing that you would see in a gallery or see as a performance art piece. And in fact, the developer of this game comes from an artistic background and also the developers of Kentucky Route Zero, but uh, not what this particular podcast is about. Uh, I think that's helpful to keep in mind when we're trying to decipher this game. Uh, I don't think that we're going to come away on this podcast of being like, we have the right take on Dujana. It's actually about catharsis, like he says <laughs> at the beginning. It's it's about a lot of things, and it's more about how it makes you think about its themes than it is about any one thing in particular.
1: Yeah, and uh, that that's a... Uh, fun thing to jump in on as you just mentioned at the beginning uh there's this little video that plays with the developer uh it's like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing i guess where Mm. he tells you what the game is about and he says that it's a randomized video and it actually is yeah Uh, there's five different videos and in mine he said that the game was about subverted heroism
0: nice (laughs) yeah yeah, mine was catharsis, and I know that I've seen other people talk online. There there are a few others uh, that you can get. And realistically, like, I think that the terms that he chooses to use in these clips are there for a reason. Like, I don't think that any of them are so far removed from the game that you could call this just a joke. I think that they're there to sort of, like, kickstart your idea of how you want to like view... like you want to look for subtext in the game to explain how the game is about catharsis when you hear that and the same thing with uh with, with subverted heroism and and any other thing mm-hmm. that he could say but whether or not what you find there is uh subverted heroism <laughs> uh huh it doesn't really matter as long as you're looking and finding something.
1: Yeah, I think it directly relates with what you were just saying. Where like it gets you to ask the question, "Well, what is this game actually about?" Even mm. if you don't take it seriously, I like what he says, uh, and it gets you thinking about what the game means right from the very beginning. Right. Uh, so, what does the game mean, Andy? I don't know. Yeah, no. I know. <laughs> I think the strongest running thing that stood out to me is just, like, the acceptance of death or our relationship to death, which is a super, uh... I don't know, it speaks to me a lot as somebody who's afraid of death. Right. <laughs> like, more so than the average person, or at least I get that impression right. anyway. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair.
0: I, I actually was hoping that you would just go, like, uh, and I'd be like, well, let's
1: move on <laughs> to something else. Uh, uh, subverted heroism is obviously what the game is about, Chad.
0: <laughs> that is true. That's what the man says. Um, but no, uh, I do want to start somewhere a little bit more distant and then kind of work our way into the themes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you for what it's worth. Like That's definitely one of the major things. And to get to that narrative, uh, you have to go through quite a lot. Um, the first initial thing that everyone will have to be exposed to and come to terms with much, much earlier than their own mortality is the fact that this game is largely made in claymation, uh, which is crazy. Uh, I, this is the first claymation game I've seen since Clay Fighter 63 and a third on the N64.
1: I know there are a couple of them. Mm -hmm. I know there's a platformer that's all like done in claymation and, but it it is pretty rare. And I think what's, that's this from apart from those and other just claymation in general is it's not just claymation. It's like mixed medium. Mm -hmm. Um, like the backgrounds are often, uh, rendered differently and not made of clay it's like the buildings and the character models are clay but then you have like the world map that's like a pixel art super nintendo world map and then you have all like the arcade games etc etc there's like a lot of different and then the whole part um with the strawberries like the the parable about the guy with the thorn bushes and stuff yeah is all like found object stuff like photographs of things and that's all it has like a collage feel like somebody just kind of like it has a handcrafted kind of crafty project feel to it. Yeah. And it's it got this I found it captivating. Like I just saw images of this and immediately wanted to play it personally. Right. Uh, yeah. No, I actually I don't disagree.
0: I think that the art style or styles gives it a lot of its appeal, like from the outset. You would have to do a lot to get somebody to, like, get on board with the idea of this game, uh, agnostic of art style. But the visuals and just, like, the very unusual presentation do a lot to pull you back into that. Mm -hmm. And the game doesn't even start with it necessarily because the the first thing that you get is this, like... you get a series of strange things. Uh, Because the the game itself starts with a quite lengthy, like, screen error page of, like, it loading the game, and there's, like, all these flashing lights and, like, scan lines and VHS errors that are happening before it actually gets into it.
1: A lot of little video artifact effects. Mm -hmm.
0: And then the game throughout is interspersed with occasional live-action footage as well, uh, which is unique. Like, seeing... The like the movie theater, uh, which is like a claymation movie theater, and then just has like FMV projected into it, mm-hmm. uh, literally and figuratively in this case, because it is a theater, uh, was a really an, like unusual, somewhat disturbing like uh, sight. There are lots of of little interstitial bits of this game that that throw the visuals into a different mode. The your own home in the game is rendered in a different style. It is on top of the claymation, like, scenery, drawn on, like, hand animation. Uh, And then when you're inside, the characters and their models are replaced with hand-drawn versions of themselves. It's a very, like, whiplash-inducing
1: visual style, which is hard to accomplish. Yeah. It somehow, like, has, like, a cohesion to it, though.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that I noticed the first time uh, until I came back to the house that it was so, like, obviously different. Mm -hmm. Like, the first time it was just sort of like so much stuff happening at once that it just all came together to feel normal.
1: And you can't rule out the idea that it wasn't like that the first time you were there and it just changed.
0: Also a strong possibility. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did what did we do? What did you do in this game?
1: Uh I I didn't I did not do everything. Uh I know that for a fact. Well, uh, I don't think
0: there's a lot of stuff yeah as difficult. Did you do everything that's on the checklist? Yeah,
1: I think you have to.
0: Possibly. I was given the instructions to beat the game before I had been to the uh, power plant. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But I then went to the power plant and came back. I don't know if it
1: would have barred me from finishing the... Yeah, the, um... The mountain spider place Mm -hmm. was the last place I went, so... And that's where you get, like, your, uh... Your instructions. Your instructions on how to, like, get to the end, so... Um, but yeah, the first thing I did is like the, the, you get the robot walker, which yeah. is another good yep. example of, uh, it's like made, like the model of it is like, looks like it's made up of like pictures of things. Um, it's like, like it's has like a cobbled together kind of feel. Yeah. Um, and you, you use it to walk around the desert and I explored the whole thing. And, like, found the little guy over in the corner that's, like, it's always good to, like, explore where your boundaries are or whatever. And, like, mm-hmm. a cheeky video game joke. And then, you know, and then I went to the uh, military uh, base was the first thing that I did.
0: That's fair. Uh, I didn't actually do that first. I came back to that. But I was so, like, absolutely confused about what my actual objectives were. So, at the end of the game... Uh, and they they tell you the instructions on where to go, and they tell you to start from the desert oasis, and. I'd never seen the desert oasis. so uh. I didn't know what that was. So I ended up going to that desert on the left side of the town, which seems to have no purpose and wandered around in it for about half an hour. Uh, and I was like, man, I don't see anything here. Like there's a point where I was just like kind of on my phone and then just walking mm-hmm. with my left hand. And I was just like, I wonder if this like, well, I'll just stumble across it. Eventually. Eventually I found out it's not where it is. It's in the main <laughs> town, which I thought was much smaller than it actually is. Mm
1: yeah luckily, I explored it thoroughly first and went straight there yeah <laughs> uh
0: the uh this actually could could curtail from the visual discussion, but just a brief uh note since you did mention that that mech uh which I apparently spent a considerably shorter amount of time in than you did mm-hmm. uh is just fucking voices it's yeah, just the a sound voice
1: effect. uh it's so good, yeah. I loved that. I don't, it's been like a week or so since I uh, played it, but like the sound effects is basically like somebody going like wee boo doo-ver doo or something yep. to that effect. And
0: like if you walk long enough, you'll hear them take breaths. Mm-hmm. Like they can't just keep doing it. Like it wasn't recorded as separate things, it's just like a very long yeah. sequence that In, they. Yeah,
1: and, and pushing a directional button like makes it start and stop the track.
0: Yeah. That's uh, uh, it's so good. And the music as a whole, I think, is really good in the way that it is supposed to be in this game. Uh, some of it was actually good, and some of it was horribly grating, <laughs> and I think they were chosen for specific sequences. The, the Power Plant song that sounded like it had a police siren going in the background mm-hmm. was, like, I had to actively turn down the volume while I was there, because it was giving me a headache. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, good shit, I like that. Uh, but yeah, so, when you leave and you go to the overworld, you're kind of, you're not given any direction in the game, which I think is an important thing. Um, something that I've learned about, but would never have come to this conclusion on my own, is that interactions that you have in different events are randomized, uh, so, like, if you played the game twice through you wouldn't necessarily get the same impression from it and so the game leans into that by not giving you any instruction as to like a like a route to progress you just have to go anywhere and mm-hmm. everywhere to figure it out um and so, what we describe as happening to each of us throughout this, it could very
1: well be different for the other person, right? Uh, and while we mentioned the overmap, like one of the few or overworld map, yeah, one of the few things I don't like in this game is how the motorcycle controls on the world map. Oh yeah, yeah, I thought it was great. Not really, it's fucking
0: horrible. But I, I have to imagine that that was intentional, or yeah. maybe I'm giving him too much credit, no, I it, don't know.
1: It feels like a joke. Mm-hmm. I don't get it, but <laughs> it, it feels like it's at the player's expense. Like, it feels intentional to me. Yeah. But I I did not like it. <laughs> yeah, this is
0: not going to be another
1: Warthog
0: situation. Yeah. Though it is kind of similar in the way it controls, except you don't have a second stick. It's as unintuitive as that is (laughs) at the outset. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it did result in, because it was also hard to tell if you were angled, like, um, like straight on, like if you were vertical on the screen, Mm. which direction you were facing. So sometimes I would leave a location and then drive right back into it, uh, it's not like this game has real load times or anything, but it's just like, how is this very basic action something I'm incapable of performing?
1: <laughs> yeah, but so, the first place I went to after leaving the, the desert town was the, the town up to the top right of the map where the arcade is. Okay. And, uh... Right off the bat, like one of the first couple of houses I went into, there there's a school teacher who talks. So it gives a really long speech. Yeah. Uh, about uh, she talks about Shakespeare and about like finding entertainment in inappropriate places. And I'm like, it's one of the first instances where I'm like, okay, we to make note of like meta commentary here.
0: Right, we got a thesis statement. Yeah,
1: like, and I don't know. That really was what kind of set my expectations for what the game was actually going to be like. Cause like up until then I was just kind of like, what <laughs> did still didn't know really what to expect. Um, and I don't know, that just really stood out to me. And, um, there's also a guy, I think in the arcade who says if you talk to him once, he says something, I don't remember what, but then you talk to him again, he says, I want something meaningful from my games. I also don't want to think about it which i thought was pretty funny like a prod at like um like gamer uh culture what however you want to say it like stuff that like people who play lots of games talk about on the internet
0: right how do i want to put this like they think the game should be untouchable by uh like critics but then at the same time if something goes out of their way to transgress then they will themselves destroy it by being like, "This isn't what I wanted,
1: though, yeah. yeah, it's just like people who will feel threatened by criticism of a game that they like, and so they say, "Oh, like, why can't you just have a good time and shut your brain off? Like games are just <laughs> supposed to be fun. can't why right. can't you have fun? That sort of thing. It felt like a like a a joke about that sort of thing, which I enjoyed,
0: yeah. I think that town in particular, whose name I
1: don't remember, though it is actually yeah. given. I just, that town felt like one of the most dense parts of the game.
0: Yeah, that one has, it's got like, it has an art gallery, it has three different concerts in it. Like, it's got uh, the arcade, which is a, depending on how you play the game, can be a large chunk of your playtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, oh, and the theater as well, which I don't know how long that goes on. I watched that for about 10 minutes? Yeah, I watched it till the footage
1: looped. Mm. And then I left. I don't actually think the footage does loop. Uh, well, then it just coincidentally played a scene that it had played before. Yeah,
0: it, it has. Because I also thought that was happening. And then like it cut to a slightly different part. Where it was like a close-up of a guy's back. And I was like, this is not something I've seen <laughs> yet. Uh, and then he like punches a mask over and over again until it starts bleeding. Um, But the whole thing is, like, the it's an essay about love and does steak love salad and all that. And, yeah, that's where, like, sort of these... uh, It starts to be, like, here's the themes and the tone and... Or at least that's where it was for me. In that town, I felt like yeah. it was where it was trying to forward the more abstract ideas that were behind the game. The first town that I went to was the one with the line of people waiting to go see the scrambled eggs. Yeah. And uh, going through that town, and there was like a room with a bed, and that was all that was in it. And then another one that you go in and come out of, and when you come out of it, it just plays this like lecture about consciousness. Yep. Then there is another house with buttons that just make noises, which I did go back to later. Right. But at the time for me, it was a house that just made noises. <laughs> and then uh, I was like, "We did it. We found another game that gives me the same feeling as uh, what Harvester did, which was it feels like this town is just full of weird people with idiosyncrasies, and it's you'd go through and you explore them and you do what the game tells you to do." I was wrong. Uh, I was extremely wrong about that, as it turns out. Uh, but that was the impression I got from that first town. Uh, and it wasn't until I got to the, the larger city that it really started to take shape in my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the concerts that are taking place in the town that I went to uh, first were really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't really feel the need to like stay and listen but i like that it's there like it's a a cool like flavor world building thing and it's like a fun and it just feels really at home in like an indie project like this to like showcase or probably like real bands
0: yeah the game only lists three people in Mm -hmm. the credits and it is uh Jack King Spooner, the developer, mm-hmm. and then two people who are just listed as other music credit. So I don't actually know if they wrote the soundtrack for the game or uh, or any of the soundtrack or which parts of it anyway. Because I know that he also made some music as well, uh, or if they're representative of like those uh, shows that have that take place in the in mm. the in the game. Either way. Yeah. But no, it is neat, and it is something that we've seen before in indie games, where it'll just be, like, a music showcase area, uh, oftentimes for the composer of the game, but, like, it is cool that it exists, and I liked the, like, I like what it added to the pseudo-realism of the world.
1: Yeah, and I like. It almost kind of makes me think of, uh, Twin Peaks with the, uh, what's it called? The double R?
0: Uh, no, the double R's the diner. Uh. Oh, yeah, that's right.
1: The, the roadhouse. The roadhouse. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, but just like how Twin Peaks would just showcase bands. Yeah.
0: At the end of every episode of season three. Yeah. And inexplicably an entire Nine Inch Nail song <laughs> in the middle of one episode. <laughs> Uh yeah. I I think so I want to talk about the fact that this game is a uncomprehensibly set world. Uh it like has its roots in the real world. Uh the game is set in like in a fictional non-existent Middle Eastern country. And Presumably the time has got to be close to the present day. Uh, the only, like, estimate that I have as to when the game actually takes place is that in the uh, uh, power plant, I mm-hmm. think is the the location. There's somebody who talks about, uh, like, robots gaining consciousness during the 2020s. Mm. So it's got to be like a near future kind of thing. But there are parts of the game that are just like, there are parts that are very obviously real world based, and then others that are obviously like science fiction-y magical realism. Yeah, Yeah,
1: the stuff that involves the military tends to be the more realistic stuff.
0: Yeah, which I assume this is the same for you, but there was a room that just had Trump's entire inauguration speech (laughs) that just scrolled by on a teleprompter. Uh, I didn't notice that, but... Okay. <laughs> in one of the buildings in the military base, there's like a podium. Ah, uh, see, I went in there and nothing happened. Yeah, if you, you if you interact with the podium uh, from the back of
1: it. Right, I thought I tried that, but maybe I didn't. Or maybe I did, and it just didn't do anything for me. Also possible. All possibilities. Yeah,
0: And then as you speak, for some reason, a smaller version of yourself appears next to you, uh, also at the podium. I don't know why, uh, but it was (laughs) weird, but it's, like, explicitly a real-world thing. Like, it is verbatim, word for word, the entirety of his
1: inauguration speech. Yeah, and there's that lecture on consciousness, which is, like, a real thing as well.
0: Right. Which, like, what is the name of that game? I think it's Everything? Uh is the name of the game that comes, like, you control shit, like, things. Uh, uh, like, you everything. You don't say. Yeah. And it's just, like, you move around and form groups of things, and then you can do it at, like, the molecular level or, like, the planetary level. It's a weird game. It's kind of cool. Is called Katamari? It's not called Katamari, though. It is Katamari adjacent. Spore. Yeah. Uh, but in that game, there's just, like, a lecture from a guy in it as well i don't remember the significance of that is Mm -hmm. but this seems like such a strange thing to occur more than once ever (laughs) so i'm just amazed by the fact that i can even name two examples i don't know
1: i feel like what working on a project that takes like a long time like a game would like multiple years like and working on it for, like, long hours, like, you have, like, that's just kind of how your mind works. You get into a groove, and it's, like, stream of consciousness. Mm. And the idea of including a lecture almost kind of makes some kind of weird sense to me.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that that lecture about consciousness really added a whole lot as far as, like, my interpretation goes. Right. It has this interesting question in it, which is, like, do you or do you not think that animals are conscious? And, the and like, it, where do you draw the line if you do draw the line? Like, is everything conscious? Or, like, dogs and cats conscious, but, like, a a bacteria is not conscious and i was like okay so maybe this is like what we're no it isn't it doesn't seem to come up at all in the game
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) unless there's just like a deeper theme to that that i'm not like realizing i mean in my mind that kind of relates to the idea of death you know like life being consciousness right you know But, I mean, it's loose, you know, it's not, like, specifically related to anything else.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I can also see, it like, the fact that the robots
1: in the game are sentient beings, like, to at least some extent. Uh... They've had a consciousness put into them, and it behaves weirdly when that does happen. Yeah, and
0: then the whole spiel by... First of all, I think every voice in the game, with the exception of some, like, musical uh like vocals and stuff are just done by the game's developer. you can tell in a lot of places, but yeah uh but the the whole speech that's given by the guy who owns the power plant uh also sort of has like some subtext regarding like actual oh, right. consciousness,
1: yeah, that was probably the most impactful or my favorite part of the game was that underground factory, mm. aka the power plant. Uh just I I don't know, I just didn't expect to find that there. Yeah. It's like a more mild version of uh like playing Earthbound and discovering like the weird undertones. Uh but it's not as surprising here. Yeah. But like it still <laughs> caught me off guard like to find that The the, are you
0: talking about the entire complex? Yeah, like just just, like the
1: guy, like going um, through the the above ground power plant or whatever it is, and then finding like your way down into the factory, and Mm -hmm. then yeah, like the whole factory, and then that guy, like that, just had a nice build and reveal to it, and then the subject matter was something that, like you know, I found affecting. Right. So like I don't know that just really was a great moment uh, or sequence. Sidetrack on that. Uh, do you, in the did you do the maze? The ma- oh yeah. Did you find anything of use in the maze, or did you just? I, I did that after I talked to the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like the one way I didn't go before I found him. And I did, I followed the left-hand rule. Of course. And got all the way up to the top of the maze where there was, like, a character or yeah, something that then made like a the... a baby. Yeah, and that made the maze change perspective. Mm. And then I just went all the way back down and out and left. Like, I never found anything else. Okay,
0: that's also basically what I did up to and including doing the, the left-hand rule. Yep. Uh, but... I am I like that you interpreted it as the maze changing perspective, well, because in my mind it was like... It was like the gravity, gravity. change, yeah. yeah. Changing
1: the perspective, I guess, isn't the best way to say it, but... Well, it totally
0: makes sense, though. Like, if you just, like, rotated it 90 degrees, it would be effectively the same thing. Yeah. But to... It's like it, a
1: Mario Galaxy kind of change the gravity thing.
0: This game really stole a lot from mm. Mario Galaxy. Like, when you shoot the star bits. Uh... <laughs> Uh, but no, <laughs> yeah, that's a sidetrack. I did love that guy's whole, like, uh, bit. Th- this is a game that you don't expect, um, traditional anything from, so the more esoteric and bizarre the everything in the game gets, sort of, like, the better, uh, there are games where this wouldn't work, and obviously this game is designed to make it work. hmm Uh, but the speech that the guy gives is so committed like it's very it's believable yeah like the way that he describes everything it's like this is an actual like philosophy that somebody likely does follow Uh, not saying specifically that the developer does (laughs) because it's a character in a game but like it's presented in a way that is like it's weird as fuck for sure uh, but it's also like interesting and gives you sort of like a context for what this character is like all about uh, and that is where it does play into Dujana's story because the in the broadest context of the game your husband and child have gone missing they mm-hmm. went to go bury a hamster in the desert uh, and then never returned and uh, so having you come across someone who is just talking about death and the acceptance of death and specifically forgetting the people who are closest to you is something that is, like, really... It's like you thinking as Dujana, which this is a weird, like, three-part separation that you have to make here. Mm -hmm. You have to wonder, like, in your experience of the story, are you thinking that Dujana is taking this as her own thing like it's it's uh described in some of the art gallery sequences where she talks about like she's never or she never felt like she could relate to a piece of art or she didn't like a piece of art unless it reflected something that she had lived through Mm -hmm. uh so obviously she like internalizes everything there's a sequence and once again i don't know if these are the same for you uh, where they talk about a fight that she had with her husband, where they went to an installation art piece, and yeah. they put grocery lists up, and she suggested that it would be nice if they could add their own grocery lists, and he says she doesn't get it, yeah, so i the interpretation that I have there is that like Dujana's own interpretation is very internal, it's something that comes from within, and so, like the the idea of like having is being told this by this guy who's like d- who is dead, effectively mm-hmm. like dead and dying
1: on the threshold of death.
0: Yeah, which forever we just talked about. Yeah, uh, <laughs> with uh, uh ghost trick, weirdly. Mm-hmm. So there's a connection I didn't expect to make. Of <laughs> uh, being told told this by this person, like is she thinking like I have to let my husband and child go because they are dead and gone? Or is she thinking they have already forgotten her? Like, these are, like, the themes that the game sort of plays around with and comes to a combination. So, uh, all of that to say, I agree. I liked that part.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And my other favorite, my two other favorite sequences are... um, the one with the button room that you mentioned earlier, yeah. you meet this, like, gang. The three of, sisters. Yeah, the three sisters uh, in a laundromat in the the town that I went to first. Then you go to the cha- town that Chad went to first, Chad Town. Chad Town. Um, and there's a room with. they tell you a sequence of colors.
0: Chad Town, the, the town with buttons. Yes.
1: They tell you a sequence um, of of colors and then once you get to chad town uh there's the house with the buttons and then you push those buttons in that sequence and then it takes you to the military base right and it lets you live out this like power fantasy of like killing all the soldiers that like occupy the area near your town that you live in uh and have caused you like a lot of uh hardship i guess and then after it ends, like it's set to a really cool song. The song is dope, um, and like you just hit the, I think it's the space bar or whatever, um, the interact button, and Dujana just teleports around. And it, you know, there's like I think I have the Photoshop brush set that he used to the, put the blood for the blood splatters. Yeah, uh, but they go across the screen, and uh, kills all the you kill all the soldiers, and you get to the guy in charge, the whatever whoever that general, would be, whoever, the general. Yeah. Um and then, you know, and then after that, um it comes back and then they're like, Yeah, but that is just a fantasy or whatever and it didn't actually happen. Uh but it's a really once again, I think this is a kind of game where you never know what you're gonna f it's like a box of chocolates. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> again <laughs> referencing herself even more. Mhm. Um but uh you, you really don't know, like, what you're going to find. Uh, and it, that diminishes a little as it goes along. But it does keep throwing sequences like this in to keep you on your toes. And they, like, are really effective. Even if you don't – or somebody who's not going to, like, read into the symbolism or the themes as much, they're really just impactful sequences on their own. And I think that's what makes them work so well.
0: Yeah. There are a couple of instances, that one and uh – at one point, if you go back into your home, you can talk to I think it's your mom uh, again, mm-hmm. and she uh, and she says that she's like on a, she's on a quest for revenge or something. And then the just that whole thing, that whole sequence that plays out. They cuts when it cuts back to the laundromat. Uh, they talk about like, uh, the you can't like what we have to meet there. Violence begets more violence. Yeah, that kind of thing. Which. I believe is a quote from Macbeth, which is also the the play that the the school teacher was talking about. Right. Uh, but either way, uh, the, yeah, they go through that whole thing. And I never really got a revenge story from this, even now, though the game explicitly says it a couple times.
1: I think it... I kind of like what you were getting at with the near-death factory owner man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, I think... Dujana doesn't know what happened to her husband and child. And I think the whole time um, she's, you know, aware of the idea that they, they might be dead. Right. Um, And I think that kind of stuff goes through her head. Like, as you were saying, like the way she's internalizing the things she's interacting with. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's always a possibility. Like I agree that you're not on a revenge quest at all. You're just trying to find out what happened. But I, I get why it's brought up. Right. But uh, it is maybe brought up a a weird number of times.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it did get that sick song into the game. So, like... Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah,
1: it's whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then the other one... Yeah, right, yeah go on. <laughs> uh, ...is also in that town. You go into one of the houses, and there's this little like town thing like Like a diorama yeah set up in the corner and you go up and you talk to one of the little people there and then it shrinks you down and you go in and it teleports you to this sequence uh i don't have a better word for it where you control a different little character it's like a naked man or whatever um and there's just this narration of this like story like a parable as i said earlier um and it's got the different more more different visual it's got, style uh, more different the where it's like it's mostly white with like yeah and all the art assets look like they're pictures cut out of like a magazine or something like that and uh kind of all collage together and like you just you explore through it while listening to the story and there's like minor interactive bits like we had to move the thorns inside and everything is right. and that's also like one of my my favorite sequences of the game. There's and it's a, the sequence that crashed my game when uh, I was playing it.
0: It was the sequence that I thought had the highest opportunity to crash my game because it would lag out severely when it tried to transfer to and from different scenes in mm. it. Uh, also, they're very you can interact with the strawberries to pull them out of the
1: ground very yeah. slightly. I didn't even know that.
0: Yeah. Uh, it doesn't do anything as far as I can tell, but...
1: Yeah. So when I loaded into it initially, I thought you just had to listen to the story. Like Same. I I didn't think it. And that's what ended up crashing it for me is that it like it, the story got too far before I got to like a place where it, it could trigger the part where like it goes to you chasing the bead or whatever. Yeah, And it tier. just like didn't tear and it just didn't know what to do, I guess. And it just froze. Like I talked there were like these two NPCs by the little river mm-hmm. and I went to talk to one. And then, like, the dialogue just stayed there. And, like, I couldn't advance it or do or quit out of it or do anything.
0: <laughs> oh, that makes sense, actually, probably. Yeah. I mean, to some extent. I, it's a, yes. I mean, there's lots of stuff. Like, this game was,
1: I want to say, made a game maker? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but I don't remember. That feels like it would make sense.
0: Yeah. And there are some things about it that are, like, kind of indicative of, like, the the... the Engine that it was built mm-hmm. in. It's a little bit jank. Yeah, and so that's the kind of thing that I, that makes sense to me. That could just happen. Like it wasn't anticipated that you would be in dialogue when the thing ended, and so they didn't know how to advance from there. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's that's that one. That one is also cool. Uh, that that also just so to get back to the very beginning of the podcast. Uh, I think that death is definitely one of the themes for me personally. I think that the idea of loss, uh, not like death specifically, but just like uh, coming to grips with loss is like the major theme that I was like following with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that sequence is also great for uh, the exploration of, of like that idea as well because like the story is about this guy who... You know, like meets with another person. He's never met anyone before. And uh, when they go away, it's just him, like, not knowing what to do anymore. Uh, until eventually, like, he's the one who is singing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It's well narrated. Like, I'm actually surprised at how well this one Scottish guy managed to, like, carry every performance in the game. Like, I don't think I wouldn't give him an Oscar for anything, <laughs> but, like, it's it's all, like, decent, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all fits. Yeah. And him being the narrator for, like, everything else, the short film, the uh, the the story we just talked about, the, all of the interviews. Did you find the house in the
1: desert where he's a streamer? No, I don't think so. Oh, boy. There's, like, a place... Oh, I did hear about this. I did not find
0: it. <laughs> I didn't hear about this, and I'm glad, because uh, it took me I, off like, guard. Like,
1: afterwards, I found someone yeah. to talk about it. But
0: Yeah, it's like you go up into the corner of the map. There's, like, a set of barriers and shit, and you go past it. And in the house, there's a little, like, SNES. And if you interact with it, he just shows up in the bottom right corner like a streamer with a green screen, Mm -hmm. and he's wearing a wig for some reason, and he just does this whole bit, and it lasts forever, like for fucking ever, uh, of him wandering around in the desert not knowing what to do and saying that it looks like shit. And then, uh, if you go back into the house, it starts playing in reverse and with inverted colors for some reason. And then you leave and it restarts. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, so it, it just stops happening when you leave the desert, but it's just a real weird thing mm-hmm. that is there, but that's just, that's more him. It's just, uh, just
1: Jack again
0: doing his thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm sad that I didn't find that. <laughs> Uh, The more weird vignettes, the better.
0: That's true. That's my motto Mm -hmm. about everything. This is why we've given nearly every game that we've reviewed a zero star (laughs) rating on our patented star rating system. We've given them a white out of green. Yes. Uh, White out of green stars. I'm prepared to move to the ending of this
1: game. Yeah. How'd you, uh, what'd you think about it? Um... (laughs) Uh, it's kind of hard to sum up. It's more, it's like a, I feel like it's a cliche thing to say, but for me it was really like the journey, not the destination with this game. Yeah. Uh, I, the ending was kind of just what I expected it to be, that you would find them dead, mm-hmm. uh, and that is what happens. Uh, and I think it's a fitting end, like I don't want to criticize it or anything, it's just uh, I didn't, I, it did, I didn't find it as impactful, I guess, as maybe I thought it might be. But I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I would say the
0: one thing that I want to add to that, because that's, I think, pretty spot on. Uh, I don't think the game wants to be about its ending. I think that the really gamey in comparison to the rest of it. uh, And by gamey, I do mean chewy and stringy.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, You've been thinking about that one?
0: uh, No. Sort of. I feel like I want to say it as a joke every time that I use the phrase gamey. Okay. That and makes sense about you. This just seems like the game to make the joke in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, part where you have to, like, fall, go to the thing, walk to the two trees,
1: walk, to, given... walk to
0: the local double tree yeah.
1: motel. We talked about, um on this series, a game called Only If... And this does it did a similar thing, and it just seems like a very indie game kind of thing, where it's just like let's give the player literal directions to follow (laughs) to see if they can find a thing, Uh, and that's what this is.
0: We talked about a little indie game called The Legend of Zelda, uh, Uh, fucking Link's Awakening. That does this very old game. Uh, That's true. But yeah, I think it, it needed to do something to have the player be able to end the game uh and this was just the way that was the chosen for whatever reason Mm -hmm. so i don't really hold anything against it for it uh i do hold it against only if because it was done in a stupid way yeah uh but in this particular instance i thought it was fine uh if a little bit like unintuitive and doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) uh but yeah, it's it's literally just there so that when you've finished exploring everything, you can get a wrap-up. And so I agree with you. I think that the game did the ending exactly pretty much how it had to. Uh, I don't know if there's a world where this game holds as much thematic weight where like any other situation yeah, happens.
1: I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't have done it any other way. Yeah. Uh, What do you think, uh, while we're on the subject of the end, of the fact that you had to beat three of the arcade games to access the ending? Uh, I didn't know that. Um, Really? Yeah, I just apparently... Just did? Just did. Okay. I
0: I don't know which ones I beat at this point, even. The only one that acknowledged and
1: gave me a token was the racing one? They all do. You probably just didn't notice it when you beat them. Okay. because I did the same thing. I got two of them without, and I only noticed the one from the racing game. Right. Um, and it tells you when you're on the pause screen, which I didn't notice till after I got them all. And I never noticed. Uh, but I, I got two of them. I got the one where the guy loves everything. Yeah. And the racing game, and then I went to the Spider Mountain place, and then he was like, "You need to bring me three arcade tokens," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh fuck!" And then I had to go back, and then I beat the Army Dillo one. Yeah, yeah, Because uh, that was actually fun to play the to me. Harmadillo? Harmadillo, that's yeah. it. Uh, and Both then, uh, are good jokes. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whichever one it might be. Um, and then, you know, so it wasn't a big deal. Like, I just thought that was gamey in a way, that the game really wasn't up until that point, like, requiring you to beat three of those?
0: Yeah, if I had known that, I would have called it out, actually. Yeah. Uh. Uh, as also being... Because that also feels kind of out of place. The The games themselves don't even... Like, the racing one makes sense. I feel like that should be necessary for completion, even though the actual, like, Mode 7 racing
1: doesn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm.
0: The... it Like, the fact that it is... Like, you are still playing as Dujana in the game. Yeah,
1: and it, it's the one that feels the most clear that, like, it wants you to beat it. Because mm-hmm. you have the little town at the beginning where you talk to the people. They'll
0: <laughs> give you weird fetch quests. Yeah,
1: and then you go and you do the race, and then when you beat a race, one of them is there, and they're like, only this many more to go. Right. Dujana, <laughs> thumbs up. Uh, so you, you feel, like, comp- and the courses are short, so you feel compelled to actually beat it. Right.
0: Yeah, I actually, uh, (laughs) the, the Metroidvania one felt like it would potentially go on forever.
1: Yeah, I've heard that it is a surprisingly long and fleshed out thing with, like, a final (laughs) boss and, like, all kinds of shit. Yeah, I got to one boss
0: and died Ah. on it and was like, eh, and I just quit.
1: Yeah, I got, like, the first, the gun power up or whatever, whatever the first power up is. Yeah. Went through, like, a. Flat me bit that i felt was bullshit and then just quit <laughs> and i was like i don't want to do this um but i don't know i'm sure someone was super into p- p- just playing that for a really long time yeah it, w- it wasn't me though but yeah i'm
0: assuming the other one that i got the arcade token from was the uh asteroids game mm. because I- it didn't seem possible to lose
1: well you i feel like getting the high score is what would uh Well, it gives you the Yeah, which I did which I never did. I lost it, like, four or five times. I couldn't beat it.
0: (laughs) That seems like... I feel like there was a glitch in your game. because
1: there's, like, four towns at the bottom, and, like, letting enough stuff fall down makes them catch on fire.
0: Yeah, I had two of them, the two on the edge. Uh, But after that, if you just put the ship in the middle, it basically stops anything from uh, coming to it. I'd never tried that. I don't know. It's just... I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get very far past the high score, because once yeah. I did, I just, like, That's stopped it. playing.
1: I, I got close, but I never was able to get it. Harmadillo was very boring, I thought, after, like, the second uh, one. See, I thought that one was fun. Fair. The differences in, uh, <laughs> in preference. So yeah, but Pie or Anus is the real standout.
0: Oh, maybe I actually got the token from that. Had to, do you know when you beat that? Because I had pictures repeat,
1: so I gave up. I the fact that you were able to make any sense of that at all <laughs> uh, is outs- like mind-boggling to me.
0: Because well, like, assumption... I kept
1: trying to like, interact with it and like, do something different than I was to get a different result, mm-hmm. and it never seemed to do anything, and I just assumed it was just a gag.
0: Right. I also assumed it was just a gag, but this is also... The me that didn't know that you had to beat any arcade games to finish right. the game. yeah, because
1: it was always just pictures of Pi. Yeah. And I tried picking Pi, and it he just was like, do you recognize this man or right. something like that? <laughs> and I was... And then, I don't like, he just never really did anything. Like, I don't know.
0: Well, yeah, that's what I was... Uh curious about is if you got it to do anything. No. Because it didn't for okay. me, really. Yeah.
1: You made it sound like you understood like what the game expected you to be doing. <laughs> well, I
0: assumed the game wanted me to look at the bits of image.
1: Yeah. And then
0: guess if it was a pie or an anus. Right. And I guessed that the game would not show me an anus. Right. So I just chose pie a bunch of times. But one time it was like a
1: slice of bread. Mm, and I and, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, what's that? Just, it didn't seem like it responded to your inputs at all. Sure. I mean, it responded by
0: showing you the picture when right. you pressed a button on the podium. I don't know. Yeah, I was I know. Like, there was no
1: I... feedback like, uh, at all. Dujana
0: is a difficult game to interpret. <laughs> P- pie or anus is even harder. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, now that we've gotten all of the important pie or anus talk out of the way, do we have...
1: Pinal thoughts um no i do have anal thoughts <laughs> um i i liked this a lot um we saw this in like a youtube video like highlighting some indie games yeah and i immediately went and bought it afterwards cuz i just thought it looked so interesting and it didn't disappoint um yeah it's like it's one it's like a very artsy indie game but one that's actually good and has substance like probably if you haven't played and for some reason have listened this far this game probably sounds like a pretentious weird like thing like unapproachable unap- weird thing uh but it's really not in practice it's really enjoyable and feels like it actually has stuff to say and does so in like a unique way where you don't know what you're gonna find next uh so i found it thoroughly enjoyable and uh one thing i didn't mention when we were um talking about aesthetics is uh, this the the aesthetic of it reminds me of like weird old like kids shows like it can almost give me like peewee's playhouse kind of vibes or like teletubbies or like uh even uh this one's not as weird but blues clues always had this kind of crafty look to it. And when yeah. they'd like skidoo uh, as they would go into like a, like a diorama and mm-hmm. how everything looked uh, like it was made of like crafty things that were all put together, just had that kind of a look to it. Like something like, there's just like an experimental uh weird feel to this that I really like. And it's hard to describe, but no, I think this was great. And uh probably deserves to reach a wider audience than it ever will (laughs) but uh I I will uh always uh it'll always have a place in my heart
0: yes Uh, I don't know if this is, I slipped into some kind of, like, catatonic state Mm -hmm. while I was in the experimental film theater part of the game, but I think they actually do have an image of a Teletubby just in it,
1: just incidentally. I didn't even see that, but I'm onto it. I've cracked the code. You have
0: cracked the code. You found its main source of inspiration, fucking Popo or whatever, (laughs) uh... But no, uh, I, I kind of mirror that. I think that the problem with this game reaching a wider audience is that the audience for this game is very narrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that a lot of people, even if they were exposed to it, and even if they gave it a fair shot, would not want to engage. Uh, it, it, there's I'm a lot not of... so sure about that, <laughs> but... You're probably right. You have more patience than I do. That's true. And this game pushed at tedium a little bit on occasion. I am very open and receptive to strangeness, and I think that is what will always keep me going in games like this. Um and so this yeah, th- this is a game that felt like it was on crack. No. <laughs> <laughs> It was a little bit on on both sides of the spectrum for me, where this was an art game, like, through and through, where I played it mostly because I wanted to, you know, experience it. It's not a game that you play to beat. It's a game that you play to see what it has to say. Uh, And like you said, it it does feel like it actually has substance to it. Um, And then on the other hand, it is also a game that has elements of it that are designed with gameplay in mind. Uh, It's not a lot, and what's there is, like, pretty shallow, but the fact that it does sort of change your control methods and stuff keeps you engaged mechanically as well as narratively, and uh, I think it's a good... It's not quite a perfect marriage of the two, more so much as, like, a sloppy combination, but I think that... Fits with the game's aesthetic so perfectly that I don't think that it would have been better in any other way. Uh, for what this game is, it is perfect and lovable. Uh, I enjoy this game a lot, and uh, I don't know. Glad we did it. Mm-hmm. Also, just to to shout it out because like we're not under fucking contract or anything. Uh, the The show that we or the yeah the show that we watch on YouTube is called Blips. It's put out by a channel called Errant Signal. Uh, it's also where Tamashi came from. Right, uh, Big fan. Do check it out. It's rad. I've suggested it on the Discord before, uh, but I'll talk to you about that uh, in a second. Because thank you for listening to No
1: Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Uh,
0: next time, we're going to take things in a slightly different direction uh, and talk about Plants vs. Zombies, uh, which is a game that you've probably played before. Uh, but in case you haven't, it's a tower defense game and uh, it took mobile phones by storm in the like late 2000s. Uh, until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at com. There you can find links to all of our old episodes both on YouTube and on iTunes, Google Play, anywhere that you're listening to the podcast now. Uh, there's probably at least one other place you could be listening to it. Which would be weird if you did. Uh, <laughs> uh, this game actually gave me kind of like Cat Lady-esque vibes as well. In certain ways. Uh, that's another episode that I would recommend listening mm-hmm. to. Uh, if you're coming from this one. Uh We got a Twitter account, got a Discord. (laughs) Kind of like lost train of thought severely. You
1: also mentioned Harvester. Not a bad one. If you want a weird tonal adventure game, for sure. Smash that (laughs) like (laughs) button.
0: This is what it takes to be like a great TV personality, is for (laughs) other people to tell you all the things that you have to say. Uh huh.